You are now listening to the Bucket Up Podcast. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and most other places you can find podcasts, my G. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Bucket Hat Boys on Instagram, the Bucket Up Podcast on Facebook, and at Bucket Up Podcast on Twitter. On today's episode of the Bucket Up Podcast, we bring on Shane Paul Neal from levelmedium.com to talk about his background as an essayist at different publications, transitioning to digital work during COVID-19, how we get our news nowadays, how things are changing since George Floyd, NASCAR's news story, and then also we covered new black EP and more music of the week. used to tell me about this dude in California. They came up the helmet law and he hated, he refused, he refused as much as he could. He ended up wearing a helmet on his knee. So he would be wearing a helmet, technically wearing a helmet so you can tell him shit until they've had to specify the law like they gotta put this shit on your head. Wow. So, and, yeah. it's, so as Americans, we feel like it's our right to die in the most horrific way, ways possible. <laughs> like, we that. Talk with the fuck is you talking about? Cool the meal on the rich and I'm ballin' now. Half a meal at the trap is a hundred house. Fuck your bean that she walk like a zombie now. Uh, I'm that nigga, her nigga be worried about. Yeah. Pay my little cuz the gun, you be brother down. Yeah. Got them bags, let my gang her the whole town. Yeah. Used to sell pounds, now I sell our shows now. Ooh, yeah, selling our shows, selling our clothes. Yo, we live. You're now listening to volume 129 of the Bucket Up Podcast. Here with your boy Ty Doyle, aka DJ Buttersauce, aka Tywante, aka your mom called me over, but I couldn't come because it's still quarantine. And I'm here as always with the homie, the kid JB. What's good? Yo, yo, it's me, kid JB. You've been right last week, aka Mr. Told You So. Not because I'm always right, but when I'm right, I tend to tell you so. Um, happy and refreshed, you know what I'm saying? I consider the weekends like home base. I know you're not a baseball fan, but for me, you know, I am. And, you know, it might be coming back, but who knows. Uh, but more excited because today we got a guest in the building, in another building, as we always like to say, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because not only do we, you know, bring the amazing product that is the Bucket Up podcast from Zoom, but also from multiple different states and that because of you know quarantine and COVID-19 like you touched on but for that man I want to bring him on um like I've always talked about Twitter is a magical place it brings people together and divides it depending on what content you project, yeah. you know <laughs> you project um but yeah man his name is uh Shane Paul Neal coming through uh from Twitter the Twitterverse as I like to say but yeah coming now to the Bucket Up podcast welcome on man yo what's happening guys how y'all feeling Doing good, man. How you good, doing, man? As good, good as it could be. I was trying to remember. I, I know it happened from Twitter, but I couldn't remember exactly how we ended up linking up because this, this was a while back. It's been some months now that we've been talking back and forth and trying to get Yeah, so time. usually the way it goes down for me is because, like, as I pride myself as a social media savant, you know. I, oh, I, you do? <laughs> uh, sometimes. Nah, but right. I, Hell of a moniker. You know what I'm saying? Um <laughs> doesn't always hold up but now on instagram i mess around a lot and then facebook twitter i kind of consider it like hail mary's i just pull up from 40 um <laughs> and yeah you had some content um posting about uh it was like a meme or something months ago and i i uh commented on it and what i always do is I always just you know jab with like a little joke 
you know, adding to the content. And uh, yeah, you retweeted me and said a, something like that, which is cool because I've been known to have some Twitter beef with people with the same attempts that I've, uh, you know, uh, I, 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 the same attempts. But uh, yeah, that's how it went down, man. I can't remember the specific content. I always, but, I always hate that my most popular shit is somebody else's meme. Yeah. <laughs> like, I say some shit, too. Like, I, 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 my actual like, tweet is interesting. Like, you know, I get a tweet off, and then, I like, you know, I get a couple likes, but I'm like, nah, I mean, that should have banged higher, harder, but I, right, whatever. I retweet myself sometimes. I'm like, no, if somebody's going to like <laughs> Y'all going to get this shit. Nah, yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that's just, like, break. That's like just, like, breaking the, the crust. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure you had fire content beyond that, but mm-hmm. the memes are usually the ones. It's like a... It's like a picture oh. book, you know, they pop out, they, they stand up. Yeah. Don't apologize. It's all right. <laughs> Your shit's all right, too. It's okay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I hit him with a Chuck Norris meme and it was funny. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's, that's what it was. Now, you know what? The only thing that was important, it was funny to me. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, to spare the audience that heard it a million times, uh, to give you a little background quick, me and Ty, we used to work together. Um, we we uh used to have a, a job that did like these funky friday themes where they did pictures and me and ty uh wore bucket hats on a friday we did movie covers the movie covers got a little popular uh bro bible picked us up mm. um i got fired from the job <laughs> <laughs> me and ty didn't work together no more people were hitting us up i got in a car accident was in the hospital people were like yo like when are you guys gonna do movie covers i was like yo back up um and then they finally was like yo do a podcast and like we're like all right we'll do one we did a podcast bro and 128 episodes later we rocking so that's one thing about media you are you essentially get hired to get fired like you just know Mm -hmm. (laughs) eventually (laughs) isn't that everything though it's like how many jobs you we got nowadays where you're in there forever like you know what i mean so i got hired as uh editor for a publication and it went for about a smooth two months before they just reorganized the whole thing. Mm. And I was like, yeah, you know, and then it hit me up again, I think last week. I was like, hey, do you have time to work from, what was it, 4 p.m. to midnight Saturday and Sunday? I'm like, nah. <laughs> I ain't it at all. I, got I need hazard pay for that. Yeah, like what? Why even? Why is there even a graveyard shift for that? <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, uh, you know, bringing the buckets, as we call our audience, you know, bringing them on, what, what uh, you know, reading your resume and your, and your website, I mean, um, definitely impressive. Um, I'd say to round you out, like you're a journalist, I'd say to, for starters, you know what I'm saying? Like what, uh, what can, you know, you tell us about your industry and how you got there? Um, I'm always weirded out by the, fr- the phrase journalist because I, I have, I write essays for the most part and every now and then. I'll do a little bit of research, which slides me into like journalism a little bit, but I know too many folks who went to school for it and have done it for like two decades and all this shit. So I'm always afraid to call myself a journalist. I, at best I'm an essayist writer or whatever. And every now and then um, my shit slides to something else. But uh, I mean, for as long as I can remember, I was writing poetry and essays and all this other stuff. And much like you got, you're talking about, you know, in terms of reaching out on Twitter and stuff, I got really good at basically hoarding myself on social media. Like, Hey, how are you doing? Hey, how you doing? So I kind of did that all the way up the line. And, you know, um, eventually I met um, a friend of mine who was at the time editing for the Huffington Post. And they were starting a whole new vertical. And they asked me and my then wife to write a bunch of stuff. And I got featured there a few times. And HuffPo is one of those weird places. It's like you basically get paid in clout points. 
Oh, but, it, but occasionally the clock points work because I was able to point to because this was back when folks actually gave a shit about Huffington Post. So I was able to point to those clips and then I got onto like NBC, BLK and kind of dropped here and there and everything else. I did like white uh, label content for tech companies here and there. Um, and then I m met uh, Elon James White from TWIB and wanted to start to get slightly into podcasting and production and everything else. So that kind of just dovetailed and this whole big thing I have now with like Good Talk uh, Productions, um, writing for level.medium.com um, and all the other things. So I'm just kind of just been bouncing around seeing whose hands I can shake and who I can slide a clip off to, really. It was just hustling my way up. For sure. So uh, NBC, BLK, uh, what is that? I've actually never heard of it. Me, me either. Um, so NBC News launched BLK, which is basically a um, Black-centric vertical within NBC News. They did this, they started, launched about, I want to say three or four years ago. And I wrote a few pieces for them probably about three years ago now. Um, but yes, it's, it's pretty dope. Uh, it's, it's basically straight news, but it's news focused on um, black politics, black interests and things of that nature. Okay. I've, it seemed like it came out like around the same time as the undefeated and some other like, you know. Yeah, they all kind of ran that same circle. Mm -hmm. um i don't know i can't remember quite what the push was to suddenly be black in that moment right um but you know we, i think that was that was pre-16 so it wasn't matter of fact no that's what happened um i met the editor of nbcblk at netroots which is sort of a liberal media convention and this particular year was in uh, arizona and this was during bernie's first run for the presidency and blm really kind of coming into his full groundswell so at that point, everybody had to like, oh, we don't have no black folks. So we got to, you know, pull and, and create some stuff mm -hmm. on the fly. A lot like what's happening now. Right. <laughs> uh, my my partner, uh, Elias King, she's also the editor at, at uh, Level. She often refers to a Langston Hughes essay called When the Negro Was in Vogue and about the Harlem Renaissance, about how all these white benefactors were clamoring, looking for white, I mean, for black talent to support and all these different things. And it feeling like this is another weird version of that that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been it's it's just weird because I feel like we get one of these every you know couple of years where mm -hmm. where's the black writers and then they're like oh we've done you know trying to find them and yeah it's and it's, it's, a, like, it's it's a thing but we're we're in a weird world now where everybody is sort of this spokesperson like I never in my wildest dreams I think Shannon Sharp would be the person I looked up to most yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> when it came to this stuff like Shannon is the shit right now um, especially sitting across from uh, Skip who sometimes. He does his best every now and then he misses. So like, you know, so it's just watching everybody kind of have their moment and trying to figure out how to capitalize on it in a way that isn't kind of fucked up. Yeah. Like not being Jason Whitlock, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause it's like the black people who can who do that because it's you know so rare, it it's always money there. So I'll, right. I'm never like surprised when I see somebody go on that route because mm -hmm. the money's there because white people are <laughs> Always ready to point out a black person agreeing yeah. with them on some shit. So, so did you go to college yeah. for? It's like the, um, my friend says, like wrestling. There's more money in being a heel than a, a baby. Mm. Oh yeah, for sure. The the bad guys always. There's always a story for the bad guy. You know what I'm right. saying. <laughs> uh, did you go to college for like your essayist, uh, your, your writings and um, stuff like that, or what was like your to, lane? I went to Bronx Community College. It's a two-year community school. I went there for about six years. <laughs> <laughs> Shouts um, to that. I was going there part time for a long time. And it was just 
I was going there because I felt like I was supposed to do it. Um, it was really like going to the 13th grade, I tell folks. Um, yeah. No, most of everything I've done has just been either self-taught or having writers and other editors who really like gave me tips and really polished me up. My partner, fiance now, Aaliyah, she is the toughest editor I've had in my entire life. Mm. Like she'll tell me my shit is trash and tell me why it's trash <laughs> and have me do rewrites. Like it is what it is. But um, I think I've managed to sharpen myself that way more than any particular school or training. That's, That's cool. true. Yeah, That's I know a, like yeah. most, most, uh, most things is, cause you go to, you know, you go to college for, Everybody pretty much goes to college and learns something that they don't even end up ultimately doing. So, you know, mm. it's just learning how to learn for the most part. And once you right. get it's, that. It's, it's a four-year project. Yeah, exactly. You complete this project. If you can complete this project, we'll give you one extra page you some money. Mm-hmm. Exactly. For sure. And then uh, talking about separating yourself from the term journalist because, you know, the respect factor, like you were saying, for those that, like, did it, um, and, you know, you have a different style and stuff. Um, what have you speaking of Huffington post and NBC and stuff like that? Like, you know, that there is a stigma with journalism and, and there's a stigma with media and publications. Mm -hmm. How do you approach that separation too? Because to give you an example of Huffington post specifically, I um, am friends with a journalist that has written for them, done pieces. They're not like a direct writer for them. And I did a project with that person and I was sharing it with a friend who leans towards the right when it comes to politics mm-hmm. and you're forgiven. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, not me. His, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, uh, what I'm saying is, uh, and yeah. then he, he does country music or whatever. So I support like his, I don't, I'm not a country music fan, but I support his passions or whatever, but I was sharing him a project one time and he's like, Oh man, I would love to support this, but I don't support Huffington Post. And uh, I was trying to explain that it was such a removal, like, dude, there's layers until you get to that publication. Mm-hmm. So with you saying that you separate yourself from a term, like, do you ever see yourself separating yourself from a, a publication, even though you've worked with them or anything like that? Um, I don't separate, my, separate myself from the publication as much um, because it did give me some leverage to get better work. Um, at the time that HuffPo came out, it was... Uh, digital um, digital media was still kind of picking up. There really wasn't much money in it yet. Um, so we're now, you know, there's spaces that'll pay, you know, if you're writing a story, $2 a word, $1.50 a word, whatever it is, which, you know, it's not print money, but it's still something you can live off of. Mm-hmm. Initially, it was like, you know, hey, we'll pay you based on how many clicks this story gets, or we'll give you a, a $50 flat fee for a thousand word essay or whatever it is. So I don't necessarily just pull myself away from, actual uh, publications I've written for. The models though are the things that have needed to change really badly because um, we're past the point now of, at least I hope we are, you know, trying to get folks to come in on cut points as I call it. Um, folks, if you're, if you're making money off of somebody's work, then they deserve some portion, some something. And it definitely needs to be something livable, even if it's uh, going to bite into your end a little bit more. Um, so I don't, I don't regret writing for Huffington Post. It's not something I would necessarily do again. And um, I'm not one to say that other people shouldn't because if that's the outlet that's going to get you on a the map, then you do what you have to do sometimes. Right. But just for me, is that I'm not in a space now where I'm inclined to give, you know, a multi-million dollar publication my work for free. Right. Yeah, no. And I, you know, that's the thing with like the bleacher reports and the, mm-hmm. the, those ones where it's just, you know, people are glorified interns and they're just, right. you know what I'm saying, putting out the content for them to make money off of. But I, 
I think it is like gets to like a deeper level of of the way that the media landscape has kind of changed to where there's certain publications that you're like, yeah, I definitely don't want to hear about like Breitbart or right. You know, oh, o- for sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. And it's like, obviously, but then, you know, people on the right feel like because they have that, then like that must be that way on the, on the left in which, you know, there's certainly publications that are biased, you know, in that way, but I don't know if it, it doesn't reach yeah. that level of, you know, misinformation. You know what I mean? It's uh, weird. I think at this point, my biggest, um, sources for news are John Oliver, mm-hmm. <laughs> The Daily Show, Hassan uh, Minaj, uh, Hassan Minaj for sure. Mm-hmm. And then a couple podcasts like I don't know if you guys are familiar. You guys are familiar with Rod and Karen, um, uh, Black Ivory Tips? Are you familiar with them at all? Mm-mm. Nah, Black Ivory Tips. Uh, the Black Guy Who Tips. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, nah. Yeah, they're they're really dope, Rod and Karen. They've been on Vice News before because they were doing like this whole Game of Thrones things, but. There's certain smaller folks like um, Spam Reports and other podcasts I listen to very often. So between like smaller podcasts that are just kind of distilling news and like those spaces like um, Oliver and everybody else, that's been my main space for digesting news at this point because MSNBC, CNN, obviously Fox, they're all... There's slants on all of it. And mm-hmm. everybody has some slant. You try and find like the most... You try and find the most straight up when you can find it, it's possible right. uh but you know it's, it's gotten harder and harder right and then you know it's like how trying to do that and not confirm your biases and yeah and although at this that. point i'm fine with confirming most of my biases <laughs> <laughs> like yeah it's um, easy when you feel like you're right you know what i mean yeah it, i mean it's um and obviously i try to maintain open mind um mm-hmm. i'm very conscious of like i'm yeah i'm a black dude and it's hard to live in that this world but you know, there are folks who are more marginalized than I am. So listening to them and how I, they approach me in terms of my prejudice and my biases informs mm-hmm. how other folks do the same. Right. Um, like I have no um, idea that I'm free of whatever. Like I have trans friends. I have friends all across the spectrum. I understand that there's so much shit that I don't know that I just need to shut the fuck up sometimes and hear what they're saying right. and right. go from there. And that's my expectation for the folks on the other side. Like, you know, middle-aged white man with money hey just right. be quiet for a minute and listen and you'll figure it out right and that's it's kind of been like frustrating on you know seeing it on twitter around mm-hmm. or anything like that because you know it's like as a black man like i've always been able to like you know see where the plight is and then i, I hate when it's like other black men that can't see the plight of others like you know our, our black women you know, mm-hmm. other marginalized groups, like, you know, like the trans community and things like that. It's like, bro, how do we ask for other people to see, you know, to walk in our shoes and we can't walk in other shoes, you know? I just And I, obviously it's not all black men doing that or anything like that. It's just, you know, when I see people doing that, I'm like, bro, how does, like, how does that work? How do, how can you, how can you not be able to empathize when you want other people to empathize with you? You know what I mean? Um, Damon Young, some time ago, he's, um, one, he's the one of the founders of um, uh, Smart Black Brothers. Mm-hmm. And he had a piece out that said, um, black men are the white men of black people. Mm-hmm. And folks lost their shit. Yeah, people were pissed, bro. People were pissed behind that. Wait, and black, black and they, people... they still quote that and misquote him. 
Um, but I'm like, black men are the white men of black culture, meaning that we just want to dominate and run shit and we don't listen. Mm-hmm. And he wants so much shit for it. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, but I kind of see it through. Like, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not really that far off. But folks were not ready to hear that. <laughs> and it's like, in that way, it's like, we reacted the way the, the way that white right. men white react right. when we talk about racism. Like, what are you, you totally, talking about? You just you know? fulfilled the entire like you proved the point ultimately. exactly. Instead so, of instead yeah. of being open and being you know, so uh, building awareness and these movements that are trying to get these conversations normalized. So like you're saying, they don't make people as uncomfortable as much as just like conversations that need to be had. Um, not to equate it to feminism, right? Those movements, but to give an example of one time I was at a dinner and I, I, pr- I pride myself as a feminist, you know what I'm saying? And, mm. and I was saying about birth control, I was saying about how if men could get pregnant, there'd be way more ease of access to birth control. Sure. And this right. girl that was like a super, be, super be, feminist. Be birth control like Tic Tacs. Mm-hmm. Facts, you know what I'm saying? Different flavors. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, uh, she was like, ugh, that's such a, that's such, what she said. She was like, that's such a typical response. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I'm on your team, fam. And uh, she, it's like she didn't want my support, right? Like, as if my support was, like, fake and inauthentic. And I was trying to explain. I was like, yo, you're fighting the wrong battle now. Like, you, you, you're, you're fighting someone that's, like, not only willing to listen. Like, I feel like I do get it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, I've been hearing arguments about Black Lives Matter movement. Um, obviously not, I don't feel like from the best sources, but I've been hearing that like, oh, don't believe them. That's like a right, that's a white ran platform. Right. And I've heard, and my, my argument to that would be like, well, isn't the goal to get white people on the team, to get Mm. them on board, to get them to support this type of movement? Um, how do you fight that off? Like the anti-heroes, I guess. It's, it's hard because I, like I have white friends that I've known for a very long time and I've been getting a lot of the check-in since everything's blown up in the world like hey you okay do you need anything is other string blah 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 and for the most part i take it as genuine but it's kind of this catch-22 where whoever your oppressor is whoever it is that you know kind of has their 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 foot in your back you want them to learn and figure things out and not always have you be the catalyst for the change mm-hmm. but then when you see it you're still a little skittish because it's like yeah but y- y'all are still the ones with the foot in my back so i'm hoping this sticks and I'm going to kind of support, but I'm going to support from afar. It's, um, mm-hmm. uh, it's like the scorpion and the frog. Um, scorpion has to get across the river, ask the frog. The frog says, no, if I get you across the river, you're going to sting me. And go back and forth. Like, so finally, the frog takes the scorpion. Halfway across the river, the scorpion stings the frog. And scorpion's like, what are you doing? Like, you said you weren't going to do it. Now we're both going to drown. It's like, I'm a scorpion. What the fuck do you think I was going to do? Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's kind of like that where you want to see the growth and see the best in folks. And, but it's, there's a danger to relying on it because outside of like my sphere of white folks I've gotten to know personally, when I get a check-in or email from somebody that I don't know, it's how much of it is real, how much of it is grandstanding, how safe am I in engaging you? That's mm-hmm. like um, when the whole safety pin thing came up. Uh, yeah. After, was that after Charlottesville? Like, that, that, that was right after Trump. Like, right. So, right. So everybody's, all the white folks are wearing safety pins. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> and I was seeing safety pins on Etsy for like silver ones for $100 and blah, blah. It was wow. the thing thing. The problem with it was, A, it was too easy just to throw that on and not do anything. B, it still relied on me trusting you with no works. And then there were folks who had put them on who actually weren't safe. It was like, aha, I got you. Oh, you, you thought this was it. Now yeah. I'm like, oh. 
So we're in that kind of same space now in a different way. Um, I'm seeing a lot more guilt and self-awareness than I think I've ever seen, Mm -hmm. which is kind of what you want in terms of growth. You want growth is uncomfortable. Um, And we're seeing that more and more, but it's been a month. Like y'all, like folks got to like, Hey, give it some time. Even to your friend, we're like, we don't know what she's been through. So she's probably heard the same rhetoric from 15 other dudes and each one of them, you know, fucked her over. So now you're just a 16th dude, same, same, same things. Like, same all right, thing, you, yeah. you're saying these things, but what are you actually doing? Um, it's, it's hard. Um, the only thing you can hope is that the people who are trying to figure this out persevere through it and don't make it about yeah. the responses, reactions of the folks they are trying to help. Okay. Because that happens a lot too, where allies, um, they don't get the response they want and they stop. Like you don't appreciate the fact that I'm trying to get back to zero. Oh, well, fuck it. I'm not going to bother. Mm-hmm. And then we end up, you know, going yeah. through the cycles again. That's right. Funny. I mean, I've been like, I've been wrestling with that too. It's just talking to white friends and, and seeing and, and kind of feeling like a general sense of, of, you know, self-reflection, mm-hmm. seeing that it feels like they get it, like how hard, you know, it it's gonna, it, it is going to be to kind of gain the things that we want going right. forward and you know taking and, and it's easier for me to take that on its face from my friends people i know and like decided right. to let into my life but then you know it's it's also hard seeing it from these big corporations and dude and, if i get another black square email right <laughs> <laughs> and it's like all right i already know i already have a distrust of you know you know, from an oppression standpoint, mm. like white people, but then also corporations from a corporation standpoint. Right. Like I, yeah. I know what the goal is. I know that, you know, you guys are here to make money and, and, you know, how much of this is you feeling compelled to do this in your heart and how much of this is you see the winds changing in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you need to do this to preserve money. You know what I right. mean? And, and it's like, I know how much it takes for a person to have a life altering revelation in the, in the course, correct. And that, yeah. As an entire, cor- entire corporation of hundreds of people, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to believe that you figured this out this week. And I'm exactly. like, eh, okay. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I, a lot of me, you know, it's been hard. Cause I'm, I'm like, how much do we, uh, except that people are willing to grow or, you know, they're supposed, we're supposed to change. Like we all reach epiphanies on, on, you know, stuff that we learn through society that we realize is wrong eventually. And we all, you know, we all learn that at different paces, but it is hard to be like, all right, this is what the 80th million right. black man that we've seen died on camera yeah, and this is the like I get you know people say it's the straw that broke the camel's back, but this is like the straw that kicked the camel while it was down. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so it's like what it's hard for me to be like, okay, so y'all, the dead. we have like we have so many videos horrifying of little kids getting shot. Like how right. like and how did that not spark this change? Then like what what was so different about this one? But you know I've been trying to fight against like should I be like should I hold animosity because there it took them so long or should i just not just but should i be happy that they're willing to see it and go forward like it's just ultimately is yes mm -hmm. yeah it's both right that's why i've been like i've been like retweeting things on twitter that i feel like contradicting you know myself and i'm like nah i feel like everybody's just making good points you know what i mean right yeah (laughs) and that's where i feel like if my opinion 
is a prerequisite for your change, then you're not really changing. Right. If my, if my like, good job is the thing that's going to keep you going, then you, you're not going to last anyway. So there's no point. Right. right. Exactly. Like, it's, it's way harder than just, you know, feeling good because your black friend thinks that you're not a racist. Right. <laughs> right. And, it, and it, the, the, the thing about it, though, is like you could do all this work. And if you if we find out you did something racist or, you know, you backed out on it, we're not going to be surprised because we already know, right. you know. Yeah. And wouldn't oh. and wouldn't uh, this like conscious uh, movement of Black Lives Matter and, and, and acknowledging systemic racism and stuff also not be like a results driven thing, like like a like a quick diet? Like, wouldn't it be a lifestyle? So like this, right. this, this, like this constant checking in, like, yo, am I doing enough? Like, right. like, am I showing you guys that I care? Like, isn't that like a form of like thinking that it's a short winded battle? Like it's mm-hmm. an ongoing thing. So I think people should recognize that it's in for the long haul. So like you're saying, like, even though, you know, I did the black square, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people did, but I feel like those that need that constant pat on the back to be like, yo, yo, am I doing enough? Am I doing the right thing? Like right. maybe, right. They're just like in it for, like you said, the the acknowledgement on their end, which then questions their authenticity. And, and the hard part is the answer to am I doing enough is generally just no. The answer no. is almost always going to be no. Never. And you have to be okay with that and just keep doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, there's, there's, there's not much, there's only but so much I can do for my queer brothers and sisters, but keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's fair. Whatever I'm doing, just keep doing it. But is it enough? It's never enough. And you have to get past that part. Right. Because, I, I mean, you could do that with literally everything, you know, right. sexism, uh, just <laughs> everything that's, if you want to be a good person, like, you can always be better, you know? Yeah. I stopped slapping asses in the street. Is that enough? <laughs> <laughs> thank you for the fact that you're not slapping asses anymore. Exactly. Right. Like, you, you know, you're not catcalling, which you should right. have been doing in the first place, but... And you that's know? the part too. Like all this work is to get back to zero. These aren't bonuses. These mm-hmm. aren't, you know, this is reparations. This is just getting back to basic human decency. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's like, these are all human rights so, issues. So well, I'm, I'm trying to hold out some hope. Yeah. I'm trying to hold out some hope though. I'm hoping that this is uh, at least some of this is longer than lasting, but I'll know in November. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's been uh a weird thing where it's it's just been him out here wilding out and mm-hmm. Biden hasn't really had to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, his whole platform is I'm going to beat him. Yeah, that's it. And that's, I, that's, there's, there's not been economics. It's not like, well, it has been. He has his platform. But it's like that. His main thing right now is I'm I'm going to beat him. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. And if, I mean, it's work, uh, that, it worked. It got him here. Does that not exist in sports? Like, yo, we're going to beat the Patriots. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> <laughs> people throw super bowl parties off that just to watch the patriots lose yeah, there right? was like yeah. um i think i can't remember what year it was but miami was having a terrible fucking season and they somehow managed to beat the patriots and you thought mm. there was like there's fireworks and confetti and like right get it fuck y'all <laughs> <laughs> so, and now it's good enough yeah We're good. yeah it's true Stay flow. Stay. 
things transitioning, obviously, uh, with COVID that's been rocking our world. Um, you were talking about digital media, obviously, being in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Um, also talking about meeting people, shaking hands, obviously, that's changed. Um, what's, <laughs> what's been the transition with digital marketing and media and kind of your work from home and, you know, that projecting yourself and getting bigger while, you know, working from home? I think the not that is a good thing but i think the good thing about how digital media was transitioning anyway was everybody went from trying to be this huge entity to being too short and what i mean by too short is too short before he blew up he sold mixtapes out the trunk of his car mm-hmm. and the same 500 folks would buy 10 15 mixtapes from him every week and that's all he needed like he he didn't. He only did, but so much better with a major label than he did selling stuff on the truck of his car because he had his core loyal following. Um, I can't remember who said it, but um, somebody in, in in the space was basically like, if you have a thousand core diehards, that's all you need to survive and maintain. So when I think we're in a space that we tr- we're trying to create our bubbles and our bubbles bounce off to other folks, bu- other folks' bubbles, and we trade fans and listeners and everything else here and there. But you don't need to be huge you don't need to be mtv you don't need to be comedy central Mm -hmm. to get on you can just kind of create your own thing but it takes time um i think going back to your question i think because of that landscape covid has actually been in a weird way a boom for media folks because everybody's captive you can only watch the same shows but so many times you're still looking for new voices new things to read and on top of all that you're just home anyway um i know a lot of folks who had the nine to five jobs who were made to work from home, half the day was doing the job. The other half was figuring out their media stuff and the podcast and what they wanted to do on that end. So there was a lot of room for growth. And it means it's, it's a tragic time to, to kind of take advantage of it and have this opportunity, but it's there. And if that's the thing that you're doing, just building your small audience, your small core goes a long, long way. For yeah. sure. I think Nipsey said something along that, like having like a, a repeat of like the same customers, like they're going to like, they're going to go through you, go with you through the growth and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Shouts to that, man. Um, and I know. Wanna, I honestly feel like if you want to figure out how to grow your media space, whatever it is, just watch your local SoundCloud rapper, your local independent mm-hmm. rapper They're They've been doing it for decades. True. Right. And I know, I know many of podcasters that, you know, they're, living off the Patreon and, mm-hmm. you know, saying you get a couple hundred thousand people to donate to do the five thing, $5, $10 a month. And right. you know what I'm saying? You end up being good. You know, you don't have to make it this You'd be big right. thing. Now the job, now the job after that is you still got to put out good shit. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that makes yeah. it even more like you really can't upset your fan base. Cause yeah. uh Yeah. <laughs> on a very different end of it. But I remember um, when Serial first came out and how it was like this amazing podcast. And it was like, you know, it's I had to do it and all these other things. And then came season two and it was like, uh, was it Bo Bergdorf? And nobody gave a fuck about that. Like, we, they, come on, mm-hmm. like we're fine. So it was like this huge blow up, but you didn't maintain just because you made this one decision. Once you get the blow up, you still have to put out good product. Right. So people can leave at any point, you know? Mm-hmm. And they will. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's like a restaurant, like, for getting dashing or, like, dropping their core menu. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, they add, like, yeah. oh, a new deep fried this. But then, like, it's like, no, but what about the burger? You know, like, the number one. Yeah. Like, no, nah, we left that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, don't, don't never leave your cronut behind. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. That's such, a, that's such a metaphor for everything, though, because it's like you could be doing everything right. And, you know, and then that one time you mess up, people remember that. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. 
there was a um, there was a there was a spot in this in New York who it was like this little takeout spot, but all they made was meatballs. Mm-hmm. You get a meatball in a cup and it'd be topped with different things. And the meatball was dope. And it was like, we're never making anything but meatballs. Don't come ask us for shit else. There was not going to be anything. <laughs> you get a big fucking meatball. Enjoy that shit. And they were mm-hmm. around for a hot minute before the pandemic. Like, mm-hmm. just making meatballs. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, my, one of my favorite spots back home, Pizza Shot, Little Vincent's. That's all they make is pizza. They don't got like, they have like three toppings. And if you ask for anything else, they'll just like ask for the next person in line. <laughs> They're just like, bro, like people already know what it is. Right. You, right. you, did, you fuck around into being Cheesecake Factory and it's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you got, the, you got the Bible as your menu and shit. Um, but what, uh, so you're back in the East Coast, right? You're in New York right now? I'm Jersey? in Jersey, actually. Okay. Yeah, I'm a Bronx kid born and raised and I've been out in Jersey for about seven years now. What part of Jersey? Uh, Montclair, Bloomfield area. Okay, I lived in uh, Jersey in a uh, railway for a summer doing like okay. a sales job. So I'm from we're me and Ty are both on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. Um, How fun was uh, that? The sales job? No, her railway was it's, it's possible. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was really it was right next to the prison. Oh, good time. I didn't live in the prison, but next to. The prison. <laughs> oh, <laughs> important clarification. Yeah. <laughs> there is a wing spot though that to this day I, I can't front. It's the best wings I've ever had. Uh, called the waiting room. And uh, okay. it was made after like a, a train station waiting room. Oh, okay. And I love that spot because they used to respect my fake ID and let me rock. So that place has good wings and they have good people, you know? <laughs> I think for their economics, they needed, needed to avoid a whole lot of fake IDs. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, has there, I mean, obviously New York's been doing the right thing with COVID and, and mm-hmm. Jersey has, you know, things have been opening up. Um, has there been kind of like a forecast with you returning to, have you been working from home or, or has there been like an office setting that you um, also work at? So we were, we were renting an office space in this co-working spot before the pandemic. But one of the main reasons we were there is because they had space for events and like, well, events is no longer a thing. So we got out of there and yeah. now um, our office is what we're affectionately referred to as a cottage. It's this big house. We have an office in this big house adjacent to his uh, farm in town. And it's like a museum and all this other stuff as well. But um, for the most part, it's been either home or just like a really small office. It hasn't been that big a thing. Uh, I'm watching our town open up and I'm a little bit scared. Um, Like, it's funny. uh, Juneteenth, I watched all the white folks out on Juneteenth. It was like their emancipation from (laughs) COVID, except nobody actually signed that paperwork. Um. Like, the restaurants were packed. um, The bars were packed. All this stuff. And I'm like, y'all are just going to fuck this all the way up for us like i already see it oh man first of all i had already saw the the tweets of yo june they about to turn juneteenth into cinco de mayo and i'm like right. bro they proud to aren't they we about to get those juneteenth sales yeah <laughs> uh free yourself from <laughs> their old car and get a honda <laughs> right no ah. seriously and it's funny because um there are i've seen photographs of bars in jersey they're like no masks allowed oh man loud. If you're that scared, don't come here, that kind of shit. Oh so I've often heard New Jersey referred to as North Florida, and this is like a prime mm-hmm. example of that. It's uh it's America's <sighs> armpit, bro. That's what I, mm-hmm. I so yeah. wait, there's no there's no mass mandate in New Jersey. I thought there was. There is, but there's always somebody who's willing to violate. Oh, and man. like once you get so basically like you come into the spot, it's like, yeah, we don't do that here. You gotta take that off. And like one place like one bar was like, um, I saw a picture, like, we need to know you're twenty one years old, so no mask allowed blah 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 and it's just like 
guys like why yeah what we hustling backwards like what's the point of this just have them slide not that much just slide the mask down here's my id you confirm put my mask back up i just i I don't know it's just weird not weird i we know exactly how we got here Mm -hmm. you know uh people framed it as some sort of political argument instead of saying a public health one because it's like all these other countries they don't have these they don't have the squabble. Like obviously, there's a far right in England and and a and and a far right, you know, or just a right in general in these other countries. But this isn't something that they fight over there, you know. Mm-hmm. Like they might fight over how to well, how to I mean, combat it, but you know what I'm saying. But not the the existence of the the disease itself, you know. Right, but that's I think that's a very and to your point, that's a very American ideal because I was looking at some stuff um, yesterday about how hard Americans fought against seatbelt laws. Wow. Like, <laughs> That's what we said. Yeah. It's like it's it's our right to not have to wear seatbelts and fly through the windshield and <laughs> wait and for like, real? Yeah, no, they they there was a huge mm. fight against seatbelts. And this is just the second coming of that. Because to me, if you ask me, the masks aren't going anywhere. Masks are part of our lives now. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and the main reason I remember to wear my mask is I'm trying to, you know, make an example for my son, because mm. this is the culture now, this is where we're in. But yeah, seatbelts, nobody wanted to fuck with seatbelts. Um, when motorcycle helmet laws came into play, nobody wanted to wear a helmet. Um, my friend used to tell me about this dude in California. They came up with the helmet law and he hated, he refused, refused as much as he could. He ended up wearing a helmet on his knee. So he would be wearing a helmet, technically wearing a helmet so you can tell him shit. And so they've had to specify the law like, you gotta put this shit on your head. Wow. So, and, yeah. our, so as Americans, we feel like it's our right to die in the most horrific way. way <laughs> <laughs> like you that because and that makes, that. <laughs> that makes more because you know you, you i see these memes where you're like you don't care about a seatbelt like where am i but it's people cared yeah, about a seatbelt <laughs> like yeah. i i know many of people who probably don't who don't throw on the seatbelt or mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying who don't aren't, aren't about a helmet it's like it's only and then in the seatbelt in the helmet case that's only to protect you like with the mask it's even worse because you know, we got to tell people it's to protect others. And so they really don't give a shit. You know? We fucked up by doing that. We right. should have told them it makes you rich or something. <laughs> we, fu- we fucked up when we told everybody really it was only black folks who get it. Yeah. That's who <laughs> young. When we said only old people die and only black folks are getting it. They were like, all right, cool. Oh, we're we out here. Yeah. But it's the same way, you know, cats are out here wearing masks and not wearing rubbers. Like, yeah, everybody's fucking up in some way, shape or form. Nobody and that's, plays- uh, th- that's the American way that like you're saying is reactionary instead of precautionary. So think of even rules with like uh, hockey. They used to play mm-hmm. without helmets. And then someone in the crowd got hit with a puck, not even a player. They're like, all right, you fucks got to wear a helmet. <laughs> right. <laughs> and was like, nah, man, what happened? I'm like, I'm not as aerodynamic. It's like, yeah. fans, whatever. That's why my, even, my stats even- are going down. But even then, only the rookies had to wear helmets. If you were grandfather then, you'd have to wear a helmet until you retired. Eventually, That's crazy. It wasn't like everybody just stops wearing, everybody has to wear a helmet. If you were in the league before the helmet thing was a rule, you'd have yeah. to wear a helmet. They grandfathered Same with the, same with the shield. Now they make everyone rock the shield. But now right. if you're grandfathered in, you can have your, your straight mug out there for straight teeth getting rocked. I'm sorry. Hockey's insane, bro. You mean to tell me <laughs> these motherfuckers were skating on knives and they're like, nah, no protection. Right. What? <laughs> Y'all like just hockey puck soaring through the air. Like you see what the hockey like with the goalie got on and you're like, mm-hmm. nah, I'm good, bro. No yeah. helmet. Hey, I, hey, I'm a hockey former hockey player, obviously not that level. I pride myself on my looks. I was straight basket on my face, bro. Right. I rocked yeah. everything I could. I had the neck brace and everything. 
Like, give me the money maker. You know what I'm saying? My face would get me farther in life than hockey would. Bulletproof vest it. I don't care, <laughs> man. What the hell? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy because, you know, it just it's just an American exceptionalism thing where people just, they want the right to just do crazy shit. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get it. But it's also a product of, of your life being so safe that you have to create danger. Mm-hmm. That's why you look at oppressed folks like, we'll put on a mask, we'll put on a seatbelt, we'll stay mm-hmm. in the house, we good. We are. If, if your life is free of general danger, you're inclined to create some. That's, yeah, that's true. Because it's like, if you, you know, you used to, although it's weird because these same people, you know, they, they're, they're in a safe environment, but then they feel like they need these guns to protect themselves. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's like, you know, you're, they're picking and choosing this shit, but. Right. And for issues, you know, the virus coming, ah, whatever. Somebody coming into your house, like, nah, I need to make sure I protect myself from that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, they're also, I mean, I don't, I'm not a religious person, so if you are saying, you know. No, uh, you stay. Go ahead. Um, these same people are the ones that tell us they need to see something in order to believe it. And then they're the, relig- <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the religious ones telling us that this guy's got it all figured out. You know? Right. It's all crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I'm not, you know, I, it just... I shouldn't be surprised. It's like when I moved to the suburbs and, you know, I go to my white friend's house and I realize that they just leave their doors unlocked all the time. And I'm just like, why, mm-hmm. why is your door unlocked? <laughs> it's like, oh, we just don't lock it. Why would we lock it? Like, what? Why? Their, their cars unlocked. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that life. I don't want to know that life. No, uh-uh. Because when the insurance company comes, they're not going to hear, well, how'd they get in? Oh, mm-hmm. uh, well. The combination was one, two, three, four, and it just kind of <laughs> the buddy <laughs> si- we got the buddy system. <laughs> right. Um so um so nah. Has there been um with your platforms and some of your, your work, has there been an uptick talking about like, you know, bringing awareness and stuff, has there been more of like a, a freedom, not to say that you don't have like a journalistic freedom, but like has there been more of the George Floyd uh semblance stories and like you know like justice for mm. those that have gone through or like kind of what has or, been some of the the, the content or like uh, have you been contacted more by like publications to come like talk or speak on on stuff like that so i i guess i've been writing i've been writing a fair bit for a level which is a medium publication it's uh designed it was created for black for men of color age 35 and old, older mm-hmm. which is a space that doesn't really exist journalistically. Um, you know, it's just everything is, you know, 18 to 24. And as black folks, you know, we stop being tastemakers at 25, 26. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, we, all right, you, you, gave us, you gave us a culture already, go, go sit off someplace. But so this place has been dope for that. Um, I haven't written so much in terms of like directly about George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery. What I've been able to do, and I'm thankful to them for this, is write my own personal experiences attached to what's been happening. Like, um, there was, uh, when Aubrey came up, um, they asked me to, because I used to be a running coach, I used to coach athletes, cyclists, endurance athletes for a long time, and I worked mainly out of Prospect Park in Brooklyn. Um, one of our biggest things was uh, bringing her classes. It's usually middle-aged white women from, you know, affluent Brooklyn, taking these classes. It was dope, you know, meet two times a week, get you up to 5k, everybody's happy. Um, one evening, I had a group and I was end up being by myself. It was like 30 women. So I'm running back and forth, making sure everybody's okay, making sure they're safe, they're safe, funny enough. And eventually a police cruiser comes up, looks at me and asks women if they're okay. And then jets. And the woman like, that was weird. I wonder why they asked if we're okay. But I was like, so ladies, let me explain what happened. Mm-hmm. They saw me running with you. 
They saw me doing going back and forth and they want to make sure that I wasn't harassing you or causing any danger. So, um, and again, this is on the tales of Aubrey. So they asked me to write about this specific experience about writing about black, mm-hmm. uh, because I wrote that piece, which was, it was cool, but it was a very kind of, um, straightforward piece. It wasn't anything earth shattering. I got re- had, uh, a French publication reach out to me and they said, we're doing a video series on what black American men are doing to be, to make themselves safer around white folks. I'm like, I already got a problem with the whole premise of your shit. Yeah. So, no. <laughs> and then I wrote, and then I basically I wrote a piece and the title of it was, um, your fear of blackness is not my responsibility. Mm-hmm. And that got out there and that did really well as well. So I've been, for the most part, I've been writing about the pieces, the pieces of uh, news directly because there's so many folks who can do it better than I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my place as a writer is making things human and understandable. Um, putting a face to the events. Um, I can only read the accounts of Brianna, but so many, many times before, it's just, okay, I know it. But mm-hmm. for folks who are like, well, why is this a thing? What does this mean? Writers need to come behind that and explain like, you know, well, as a black woman, I've had this interaction with police. As a black man, I've had this interaction with mm-hmm. white folks or whatever it is. Um, my first story for level was about um, me having delayed ejaculation issues. Like, so, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had the opposite of ED. I have DE. Um, so Pity that was dick, my bro. first one. About, about, uh, I feel you. I smoke my weed, um, bro. Not. Writing a, a human, putting a human face on a story. Mm. So, yeah. So that's been more my than anything else. Yeah, that's, I know. I get that because every black man has that story or has a story. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I have one where, you know, I, used, I was running to catch a bus. And when I, you know, I was in a suburban neighborhood and I'm running to catch the bus to get back home and have a cop pull me over. Like, why are you running? Like, oh, to catch that bus that just drove by, man. (laughs) He's like, oh, okay," And just drove off. Like, all right. Right. Thanks, bro. Like what? And so, you know, we all have stories like that where. Well, you know what what you gonna do? You don't want to ride from him. Like, can you give me. No, no, no. He just like, oh, shit. All right. Whatever. Like, you're not doing crime. All right. Cool. I'm Uh, out. So, yeah, didn't want to help me out. But, you know what I'm saying? We all have stories like Mm -hmm. that. And. And the the more that we have those stories out there and they pile up, the more people can see like, oh, okay, that's not just, these aren't just like one-off things that just, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And it's, it's interesting on one side as, because I mean, most of Medium's readership is white. Um, on one side, I tend to have the folks who are quoting different sections and tweeting it and saying, this is important, you need to see this and everything else. And then the comments just will have the, not all white people and fuck you, this is bullshit. Yeah. So it's like, it's weird. Like they tell you don't read the comments, but you can't help but read the comments. Right. And the comments is where you realize where the world actually is mm-hmm. and how big the underbelly is. So yeah. in the end, yeah. you hope you're doing some good, but you know, we'll see. This kind of com- Oh yeah, yeah. I was say this um kind of transitions to I don't know if you've been tracking the the NASCAR news story at all. Mm-hmm. And from like the way the way that NASCAR is trying to handle it. Because I feel like they did everything that's right, but they're getting kind of scoured. They're kind of getting scoured for it by the people that we already know would be like this because it's NASCAR. You know what I mean? Right. Well, you, you can't you can't spend 50, 60 years building a fan base based on racism and everything else and then do this pivot and think everybody's just going to roll with you. Right. Um, I, I, I kind of applaud them for doing what they're doing. Um, again, it's getting back to zero, but I appreciate the fact that they're doing it because 
there's more money in them just staying right where they are. And it's like, hey, good luck to you, Bubba. You know, we'll see how it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I joked that um, if that is how we do pull ropes, we need to find a new way to tie a goddamn pull rope because that ain't yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. Like I was saying, NASCAR has all the technology to fucking fix a car in thirty seconds. When meanwhile, right. if you go do it at a Jiffy Lube, it's four hours. Right. <laughs> but they don't got technology to close the door. Like, like bro, that. my grandma got a push button for the garage doors, dog. <laughs> yes. I don't got. Push button. But then it, yeah. it's like also it's like, oh, I gotta pull down this garage. Let me just make a not that you know a noose knot. Why not? You know what I'm saying? A perfect right. noose. That shit was pretty. I don't want to say it was pretty. But I'm saying yeah. like. The, the the tying technique like, and, and everybody who's like who is you know the traditional nascar fans like say we told you it wasn't a hate crime it's been up there for months I'm like well what's worse yeah the fact that it was just up there casually or the f- i would have preferred that they put up four bubba, bubba yeah start some shit because then so, that was one person who did it not somebody right. who did it like this is all right this is obviously speculative but it's, it seems obvious to me that somebody did this shit as a, as a joke like a racist joke yeah and cool. and and the people and they left it and many a white drivers, white crews were right. in that garage, saw that, didn't think anything of it, which is a problem in of itself. Just let it roll. And obviously mm-hmm. the the crew whoever's on the crew who reported it, who has a black driver who's right. going through <laughs> probably getting death threats and mm-hmm. all types of wild comments, and he sees that, and then of course the first thing he's gonna think is what the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? Right. It's like because like you're saying, the odds of a black person seeing it were really pretty low. Mm-hmm. So I can put this up as decoration. It's funny, ha ha ha. Yeah. Until fucking black dude rolls in. Exactly. And, yeah. So But then it's like I like maybe it's just the the black man and me knowing what that, that looks like and what that like signified, but I don't understand how somebody sees that like a not for a garage pull down look like that and not go mm-hmm. hey hey at the very least be like hey that looks bad right. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. like wait hold on like i get that this is for this garage thing but this don't look like it shouldn't like you could at least just done a regular knot like mm, yeah this is well, way more intricate this took you way longer you probably had to youtube it right <laughs> like you know what i mean unless you already knew and that's a problem and where the consp- where the conspiracy theorists about because that same like a week ago there was that white driver that's like i don't like the direction nascar's going in mm-hmm. and he and he quit i'm like why is it not this wait, dude wait. first of all fuck that dude he's 50 years old with no wins <laughs> no places he's driving in the truck series he's like the oh. mike glennon he's like i don't like i don't like these black quarterbacks <laughs> man saw the story i was like wow this is really and i was like no he's dude he's third string about to retire with no wins like <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah like bro he just like i ain't got shit to lose why not you know <laughs> that's a way for him to re- re- retire with some respect he's right. like yeah i mean it wasn't like the game pushed me out i'm choosing to leave exactly you know right but like, it's not because you suck and you're about to cut <laughs> anyway exactly but i'm just it just this whole thing is just making me mad but it's the people rushing to call this like a jesse smollett is like uh, it's a yeah calm down calm down but I, I'm like, I, we like, wor- people are worrying about. I don't know if you saw the Bomani Jones, uh, what's his name? The other guy who was, who was on ESPN and he was. Oh, Will Kane? Will Kane, yeah. Yeah, like I Bomani. Try to avoid Will Kane as much as possible. Exactly, but Bomani gave him the work real quick. But it's like people like him trying to be like, oh, when, when these things happen and it, it gets proved false, like it's a bad look and it, it makes people not want to join you. It's like, you're like, do I care about people who need hard proof evidence right like in this one instance right to like to prove to to be like oh i'm gonna not be racist anymore when we got all this other evidence out here chilling exactly 
Yeah, so, and I'm still, I still find it amazing that NASCAR has done more in three weeks than the NFL has done in four years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And the only thing the NFL has done is said sorry. And they didn't even say sorry to the person that they should have said sorry to. Right. <laughs> and and it's like, reactionary. Again, it's not precautionary. Yeah. yeah. And it's like three teams are looking to have them have company come for a work. I was like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. Like, y'all up there playing rock, paper, scissors who have to bring this motherfucker in for a practice. Look like you're doing something. Like, eh, yeah. Dude, no. that's why, I mean, I, I do uh, I, I do sports uh, football broadcasting for semi-pro out here in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was talking about like a lot of people that bit on that idea that like, yo, he's going to get a private workout. And I was like, fam, I was like, any sports guy with a medium knowledge knows that like in the middle of the season, they're not sending out an actual scout to look at this dude. They're going to send like the towel guy and just like bring a blank clipboard and they'll be like, yeah, we went, you know, and people ate that shit up. Right. Or like, if you really wanted to sign him, you would have just brought him into your facility for a workout <laughs> yeah I saw, one, I saw one article that said um was asking if he could back up uh tom brady i'm like if they have him back up tom brady the entire we're gonna burn this whole shit down <laughs> <laughs> no no he could, i mean dude, like he's a good quarterback i still think he, there's plenty of quarterbacks that i mean that's obvious there's plenty of quarterbacks that are getting yeah. jobs that Bro, are not as good the dude backing up patrick mahomes was a high school teacher like for like a year and then they just was like, all right, bro, we need you as a backup. So I just don't want to hear this bullshit. They, they hit him with the overqualified shit. They're like, ah, oh, I think he's too nice for a That's what it backup. is. That's, that's what yeah. they're doing with Cam too. Like Cam Newton. They're like, ah, we, you know, we don't got any totally. starting spots, but you know, he probably and, and won one. And that's a, <laughs> to, to be too on the point with the metaphor, but we're really moving the goalposts now because for years, it was black quarterbacks aren't good enough. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, you're too good to be in this. Like, I don't, we don't, <laughs> don't want to hold you down, bro. Right. Like, what? That's the, it's like, yo, we don't, like, you, you're not good enough to be our starter, but you're too good to be our backup. So right. it's like, bro, what? Don't you want your back? What? <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, yeah, finding new ways, bro. That's another thing, too. Yeah. They also lie, and they're like, oh, the back- he doesn't fit the system. It's like, when does the backup fit any system, bro? He's literally the backup. You know what I'm right. saying? Like- that's the wild thing. I mean, I guess that's, you know, that's racism in this country in a nutshell, bro. They just find new ways. <laughs> All right, check All right, it out. Can y'all explain to me why the NBA decided they wanted to restart the league in fucking Florida? Disneyland. That's it. Is that is that why? Like it's, they already a partner with. Uh, let's put it the depths of COVID hell. At, <laughs> at the league. time, at the time, they were low numbers. You know what I'm saying? Let's, if you ask DeSantis, like let's that. go to our fourth worst state. 
<laughs> and get this crap. But I, it's honestly because ESPN, that Disney money already, you know, Disney mm-hmm. already got financial gain in the NBA coming back. They like, we got a place where y'all can do it. We got the hotels. We can probably bubble these people. It just happens to be in Florida. If it was in Oregon or, you know what I'm saying? Anywhere else, that's where they'd be. But Maybe play safer playing in the rucker at this point. <laughs> go to, to Rucker Park and call it a day. Bro, I don't yeah, know. They're going to have to keep that. the Floridians out of there, man. I don't know how they're going to do that. Dude, I'm, uh, not playing. I don't, I'm not playing this year. Yeah. <laughs> right? I'm going out like, restaurants all 2020, bro. KD is like, I'm kind of glad my shit was fucked up this year. <laughs> right? Right? Like, ah. Don't knock on my door. I'm still limping. I'm good. I'm, I'm not like a Disney per I've never been to Disneyland or Disney World or I don't I know this one was in Florida or mm-hmm. in California. But I'm like, is the 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 one in Florida so much bigger they couldn't just do it in California? Like why can't they just I, do it there? I feel like that'd be slightly safer. I don't know. They 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 need to call Ice Cube and do like a the three on three for a ring. That two K league thing was not hitting, bro. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I miss sports so once it's back i'll watch but ah it ain't looking great yeah, it's kind of like uh when the troops go to war it's like i fuck with the troops i just don't support the cause right now so yeah, like, yeah. I, I support the nba but if y'all back all right i guess i'll watch i'm mm-hmm. so much in like these pre fantasy football things popping up i'm like dog do you not understand like no it's not going down bro you ain't getting that like <laughs> or college football they're like yo 30 days 40 i'm like not, yeah no 40 days and then you're like oh clemson had 80 players that's possible <laughs> 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 like, bro, what? all right yeah i'm not even because i mm-hmm. you know all the things i've been hearing is nfl don't even got no plan none of the coaches know what's going on they're just like we're still reporting for camp, but we're canceling all these preseason games. And it's like, what? Why are y'all canceling? <laughs> right, canceling the preseason games, but still trying to congregate players for training camp in a full contact sport. What is there a world where all the players are six feet apart? No, what? Flag, <laughs> <laughs> maybe? I don't know, man. Prevent Lasers? defense. <laughs> like, gotta... if, you with, if you get within three feet of the receiver, he's down. Yeah, bro. Laser tag. That's what they got to play, bro. I don't oh, know. Oh, that'd be fucking dope. Too. <laughs> that, I would watch that. <laughs> I would watch laser tag. Or ba- uh, they're talking about baseball coming back, but they're saying no spitting. I'm like, have y'all watched baseball? They spit right. literally every three seconds. It's weird think? because baseball feels like the, the sport where this could actually be done. They're already so far apart. True. Right. That's true. And like, you just got to spread out the bullpen, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know how you do that, but you just got to be like, hey, not that many people in the in the bullpen or on the bench, you know? Instead of tagging a player, you just hit them with the ball, you throw the ball at them? Yeah, <laughs> like, like dodge <laughs> just them. them. <laughs> they lice all uh, the shit. <laughs> right? When they on the base, you got to step back. I don't know how they're going to, you know, but once they get to that part. So I don't follow esports very much, but I feel like this has to be prime time. Like, esports have to be thinking God for all that's going on now probably i would imagine but i don't it's just i don't know how many people are tuning in to watch that because i mean as me as a sports fan i'm not being like oh man i can't watch lebron dunk on people anymore let me watch this dude play Fortnite. i just eh. (laughs) (laughs) you know it's just not it's just not a transition that i'm but i'm sure other people might be about it i'm just they had something they had both they had nba players playing each other like in i saw that and then it was funny is they were expecting the players to give all these theatricals and insight and they were just duds on the mics. And one of them was like, how often do you play, bro? And he's like, uh, not really. I don't play that often. 
<laughs> like it was horrible PR for the game, bro. So I, I, I know everybody likes to interview Shaq and LeBron and all this, but by and large, basketball players are probably the most boring people on earth. Oh yeah, they are <laughs> just super slow, super chill, like whatever. Like you, you'll get a Charles Barkley once a generation. Barry Bounce is like two word sentences. That's why I hate pre-draft interviews mm-hmm. because they haven't even had media training yet, and they all suck. Yeah, <laughs> true. We draft interviews with these kids are terrible, the, and I feel like it's just athletes in general because, and it, it makes sense. You think about it; they're just fed platitudes most of their life. Right. <laughs> it, you know what I'm saying? Like, put your head to the grindstone, work, get no, better, get harder. It's like they don't, they're not coaches aren't saying anything in depth to these to you know these people. They're just they yeah. you know they have an ability. They're working mm-hmm. hard at it, and that's all that you know. They just focus on that. I'm not really. Expecting to come out and you know right. say profound shit on the mic. Hockey players all talk the same too, though, which yeah. is kind of funny. They, all- they just be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, buddy, just try to get it out there," you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every, everyone's your buddy. Just yeah, just try to grind it out, you know. Yeah, like, it's all yeah, the, it's I the guess, same platitudes. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. the, how did you win? I worked hard. All right, got <laughs> it. Back to you. <laughs> exactly. uh, the, what was that show? Or it's actually uh, Kevin Hart that he does like the coldest balls where he's oh, got yeah, the yeah. He was talking. Mm-hmm. He was making fun of LeBron where they were playing spades or something, and spade, and he lost. And he's like, "I work so hard." You know what I'm saying? I'm in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> like, what have to do with anything, bro? <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess LeBron can't say like, "Yeah, man, I'm six eight, two sixty. You can jump higher than everybody." You know? But no, he's here. He's good on the shop, though. Yeah. No. The, yeah. The and shop? I think the good thing about the shop is it isn't just one-on-one interview so it's not you just not relying on that one person but it's right you know there's a conversation going on in the air and so people can kind yeah. of jump into it you know yeah um yeah i, I guess that's the only way you get like whoopi goldberg and lebron in a room together mm-hmm. like, just, ran, just random pairings and stuff it, it's a dope show overall uh but there's not a lot of things i can pull and carry that off like i don't want to see Kawhi leonard with a talk show oh no nah, i don't even need to see actually him you know what? i take that back i do i really do actually. <laughs> <laughs> I want, I want, fun guy <laughs> Bro, <laughs> give him, give him a, a what is it? Adult Swim show. I feel like he's, I feel like he's weird. I feel like just because he's so quiet, he's probably like he's got a weird. Billy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but hey, I respect it, bro. My man just just went to the team and was like, "All right, I'll play," and then mm-hmm. won the championship. It was like, yeah, and he was like, "I'm still gonna leave," and it was like, oh, yeah. all right, I guess." <laughs> God, man. Um, so with, uh, you know, obviously the the front half of 2020 being gone with uh, the second half approaching and obviously uh, hopefully the downfall of COVID, but we're still in the first wave. So, you know, fingers crossed with that. What's kind of the next uh, thing on the, 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 the menu for the, you know, the platform? Um, first, first is wrapping my head around the fact that half the year is gone. I, I, Oof. We I totally missed spring. I, I forgot that was the thing. I went, we went into isolation. It was like 20 degrees. It came back out. It was 90. Yeah. So I'm still wrapping my head around just the, the time of it all. But um, biggest thing right now is uh, building the Good Talk Podcast Network. Um, the site will be launching hopefully this week. Uh, good pods, goodtalkpods.com. Um, trying to get into doing some video stuff. Um, just kind of trying to build a small media space as best I can. Um, we've had ideas for different shows and stuff, but I've kind of gotten to the point already where the, the, the ideas we have, I need, probably need somebody else to do 
So we're trying to figure out what the future of that part is. Um, not supposed to generally say this as a writer just because it, it sets you up for failure, but um, working on the outline of my first book. Uh, mm-hmm. So nice. just, yeah, and, and generally speaking, you're never supposed to say it because you never know how long it's going to take. And then it's like, so how's the book coming? How's the book coming? I heard you writing the book. How's the book coming? And you just yeah. want to punch you right in the face after a while. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, just working on that uh, and seeing what comes, really. Um, navigating, like, I'm glad that we're done with school year because we had to do the homeschool thing on top of all this, which mm-hmm. it's one thing, like, um, uh, my fiance's daughter is 13, so she's in seventh grade. She goes to the corner, does her own thing. She's fine. My son's seven in first grade. So you got to sit there with him through all the lessons and shit yeah. while you're working. And much respect to his teachers, but where they really fucked up was they never altered his, um, his lesson plans in consideration of the parents who aren't teachers. Yeah. So like my ex-wife hits me and is like, so they gave us a 40 page booklet where he's supposed to review how his school year went. And we looked at each other like, well, that shit is like, isn't getting done. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's been a lot of that. But now that we're in summer vacation, I've never looked forward to my son just being home for no reason like I am now. Right. But yeah, just trying to get through the summer and trying to get the project together and see what comes, man. The opportunities are, yeah, like we were saying earlier, we're in a space right now where um, black creatives are in demand. It's just a matter of figuring out how to capitalize on it. And I think we're all trying to do that. Like, I wish I had the answer because I had it been done it. Mm-hmm. Um, but trying to figure out what that is and trying to figure out how long that part is going to last because that stuff it comes and goes as well. True, for sure. Um, this is definitely a, an opportunity to plug. Like, what type of type of things you guys talk about on the podcast? Is it- so we have a few shows. We have Good Talk, which is our flagship. And it's literally me and uh, my partner slash fiance, uh, Aaliyah. We'll just literally just sit down and talk about anything. Like most of it ends up being relationship stuff. We talk about a bunch of sex shit, parenthood, work. Um, then this is funny. Initial episodes would be like three hours because they end up being like therapy sessions. We just sit there and mm-hmm. talk. And then we would be like, I wonder if anybody's actually going to listen to this shit. And <laughs> what we found out was there are couples who listen to it because they see themselves in the show. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of folk who just put it on as passive listening because there's just people talking in the background. So I'm like, I don't care why you listen. Just flip the shit on and get us the streams. That's dope. Um, we have Stale Popcorn, which came from uh, sort of like the black card movies and the ones that we hadn't seen that we had to catch up on. Mm-hmm. So the first one we did was um, Mo Better Blues because I hadn't seen it. So we watched it together. And it had this whole big talk about more better blues. We're going to do uh, He Got Game. We're doing Sorry to Bother You. Um, all like the the black films I use, like, you didn't see that? You know, the shit that people get mad at. You didn't oh, see The Wiz? That's a good ass idea for a pod. You, that's that's fine. You didn't see The Wiz? You ain't, you ain't black. How do you see The Wiz? <laughs> all those kind of shits. I'm trying to get my girl to watch Boys in the Hood. So I'm trying to get mine to watch Shawshank. She refuses to watch Shawshank for some reason. I don't know why. Mm. And I'm like, you're killing me over here, but. So yeah, just kind of catch up on those movies and, and kind of reviewing those. Um, she has a show called Writing Practice. So she's a um, New York Times bestselling author. She wrote uh, Faith's autobiography. She wrote Frank Lucas's autobiography. She's written wow. three wow. fictional works. Like she's dope as fuck. Mm-hmm. So she has dope. her. So for a couple of years, she had a has a has had a live Facebook where she talks to aspiring writers, giving them tips and telling them what's going on in the writing industry in general. So we've been converting that to a podcast. Um, I have a storytelling show called SPN Writes where I write essays and have other folks read them because one, I'm terrible at reading aloud. I don't know what it is. It's just mealy mouth shit. It just 
really, really bad. Mm. But also I started doing it because it gives me a chance to experience my stories third as a third person, as a third party, which is rare to do as a writer. Yeah. Um, so I'm working on, like I have five episodes of that done. That was from like two years ago. I'm working on a new season now. So just a bunch of stuff that we're trying to figure out and see what shakes. And then we're hoping at some point folks come in with their own stuff and maybe we can help them pull their shows together. Um, because again, I don't, I don't think anybody wants to see a network where the same two people have 19 shows. Right. Like it's the same, it's the same show. It's a slightly different topic. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, no, yeah. no, that's, that's cool though. I like the, I definitely like the black movie. I feel like you can even expand on that and just be like, things in, in black culture that, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you don't know how to play spades. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Talk about all and the type of shit like that. And it won't always be black movies. Like, um, she hasn't seen stuff like Goodfellas, which I mm. love. Um, all those Scarface she hasn't seen. Like, all, like, the gangster movies as well. And just movies in general, like, you sh- how have you never seen this right. thing? We want to go and review those as well. And we want to have guests eventually as well. Um, once the studio is squared away and we start getting the business side of things together. Um, so that'd be the show again where we can have some guests and do some different things. Uh, but yeah, just trying to figure out what, what we can do. Um, the main thing she said was whatever idea we have, let's do it once. Let's have, let's do one show. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Then exactly. we want the next thing. So yeah. Well, cool. for sure, man. We appreciate you coming on today, man, and spreading some of your knowledge and some of your experiences. Like I said, it's really cool how social media brings people together. I mean, um, it's similar to like, you know, back in the day, yo, listen to my mixtape, you know, like now right. it's like yeah. this ability to be like, Hey, I got a pod. Would you jump on? Like, I know it costs you your time, but you know, I mean, that, oh, I'll say this. I'd rather jump on anybody's podcast and get handed a CD in the street. So <laughs> <laughs> we're always winning as far right. as I don't know yeah. why we're so like, you hand me a CD. Like, first of all, CD dog, <laughs> yeah, the SoundCloud link or something. I get a link. Right. Yeah. Like a CD, but then. You know, the people, you know, they hand you the CD and like, all right, 10 bucks. Like, bro, I don't know you. Right. I didn't want this <laughs> shit. I thought I was doing you a favor. I thought right? you were doing Like, nah, you got to help support. So, nah, I'd rather, I'd rather hit your Patreon up. I'd rather be on the show. Just mm. stay away from me. <laughs> <laughs> Six feet at least. You know what I'm exactly. Um, but yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, other than that, I appreciate you coming on. And, uh, you know, besides the future, the short, the near future goals you have for your brand, you know, we definitely support and I'm looking forward to, you know, the book, you know, no fingers crossed. Don't want to yeah. jinx you coming yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, def- yeah. Want to read up more on you know, NBC black and some of the stuff that you've done. Most of my stuff right now is on uh, level.medium.com and medium.com in general. So if you're looking for newer clips, I mean, that's, that's the place to go for sure. Okay. And, um, uh, if you got any places where they can find you, you know, where, where can people find you? Um, Twitter, I'm at Shane Paul Neal. Uh, sometimes my handle changes to not Sean King because I've had that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had somebody curse me out. I think I was Sean King once. It was oh, Sean. no. So it's at Shane Paul Neal on Twitter, at Shane Paul Neal on IG. Uh, it's SPN Rights and Good Talk Productions on Facebook. Um, Medium is at Shane Paul Neal as well. Uh yeah, just just Google my name and you'll be able to find me. It's not too hard. It feels like such a shitty, weird thing to say. Just Google me. Just Google, Google me, bro. baby. But Google it's, me, bro. It's true. But yeah, that's those are the main spots right now. Cool. Yeah. Um, man. Like I, like I said before, we usually end up end off the show on a on a song of the week, bro. What, what's yours, Jesse? Um. So I was, you know, in my bag last couple of weeks. Um. I work from home, obviously, with COVID. So on Spotify, is he a good coworker? 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, he's uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> nah, sorry. Damn, you got. I was trying to think of a pun back to it. I couldn't think of one. Um, but now, nah, um, what I was getting at was uh, Shane with my song of the week. I tend to do something topical and thematic, um, as well as uh, old school, you know, R and B fan. And uh, this one's by Groove Theory. You know, talking about uh, conspiracy theories and people out here telling me, you know, what they think about COVID, tell me what the virus really is. So my song of the week is Tell Me by Groove Theory. Okay. I don't think I've heard that one. That's a new one to me. You've heard that. Probably. <laughs> it's one of those ones I know if I heard it. Yeah. yeah. Like, so going back to Black Cards, if you ever heard this one, I'm, we, we're going to have to have some. Uh, you're probably right. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, yeah, I usually do the bops, bangs, and slaps. I'm just going to roll through with some of the albums I heard or, you know, projects. Black just dropped a new album. Or uh, it was a... I believe it was a mixtape, maybe. Or LP. I, I don't know. I guess it's like, if it's shorter, it's an LP. It's not an album. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he dropped a new joint. Check it out. Called Six Piece Hot. And uh, the, the joint off there that I really like was Float. Um, and he also got one with Lil Baby. I feel like Lil Baby's on everything right now. So, you know, if you, gotta, if you, if you, if you hear a Lil Baby feature, it's, it's probably hot at this point. Actually, you know, I lied. Um, you asked me earlier if I had anything. I none came to mind, but um, Free Nationals, their album. Oh, uh, yeah. So Free Nationals was the band that played behind Anderson Pac for mm-hmm. forever. Their album is really dope. And Gidget with Anderson Pac is probably my favorite cut on the album right now. I've been playing that pretty pretty steady. Nice, nice. Yeah, I love, I love Free Nationals. Uh, the the joint with Daniel yeah, Caesar, even though we, we kind of iffy on Daniel Caesar right now. It's yeah. fire. And then the, I think they so, got. I'm so mad at him because he's dope as fuck. <laughs> but he's like, yeah, well, apparently he's a terrible human being. Like yeah. he's not very bright. And then, you know, then he's like everybody's getting the jokes off. Like you can't be like that when you look like a bat, bro. Like ah, <laughs> <laughs> like ah, the you sing so well though the music. No, yeah, and he's yeah, he's dope. But yeah, he fucked up. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So yeah, he literally said, "Don't buy my album." Then and everybody was like, "I bet." And niggas didn't buy his album. That was, that was <laughs> Like, yeah, I got you, bro. I won't do that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, just check out the Black Joint. Uh, IDK also dropped the album. You can check that out. I don't know. If people probably don't really fuck with him like that. But, um, you know, he got some joints on there. But And then GED dropped something that was god-awful. You can avoid that. <laughs> <laughs> Man's out here doing indie shit now. I don't know. Uh, but those those are my songs of the week. Um, and then also change. Uh, we do have a sponsor, Sunday Scaries. They're the CBD oil and gummies. Um, so for those that you know that have anxiety or, you know, I'm saying like uncertainties, they're a little anxious with either driving, living, social anxiety. They can jump on the site and use promo code Bucket Up for 20% off, and they'll get you know the oils, the gummies, the unicorn jerky, whatever else they got. They got FOMO bones for dogs. You know, so lightnings and fireworks that have been going off in Jersey and New York. Oh yeah, yo, shit. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> that you know, that's that has been the most conspiracy laden shit ever. And I can't help but believe all of it because who the fuck what the fuck? Mm. Yeah, it's the cops, bro. Who got money for fireworks like that? <laughs> 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 they confiscate this shit. Only thing I got is motherfuckers bored at home and people just rolling around like, bro, we got fireworks. But it, so at least in Jersey, it's the same time every night. Huh. Like, it's 9 o'clock every night, 8 o'clock on Fridays. Like, it's a schedule. It's like, huh. it's crazy. 
Yeah, that's like that. That's it's, weird. That's uh, like the Jews doing it on Sabbath, eight o'clock on Fridays. Yeah, that's <laughs> weird, bro. Uh, yeah, I'm, that's a, it's like the the intricacies of it. it's like all these major cities getting it, and people keep saying it's specific times and mm-hmm. it goes for a certain. It's like, yeah, that's not normal, bro. People usually yeah. they get fireworks every now like every now and then they do it like ah this was cool but it, it's all fireworks is definitely one of those things you do and it's cool in the moment but you never have that inkling to do it again in the near future you know what i mean i think it's the 5g <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back bro I told Circle, bro. <laughs> but other than that man we really appreciate you coming on um no man it was time. a good time uh Taking i'll do time. it again sometime too let me know what's up yeah, for sure. We want to know about your shows and everything going on. And uh, happy Father's Day again. I know last week you Appreciate were it. celebrating that. Um, so shouts to that. Uh, yeah, if you want to interact with us, hit us up. Find us on Facebook. We're just the Bucket Bucket Up Podcast on Instagram. We're the Bucket Hat Boys. And then on Twitter, we're at Bucket Up Podcast. And then if you want us individually, you hit up Jesse at JB Speaks. And you can hit me up at, at Tylante. And uh, yeah, just chop it up. Let us know about topics you want to hear about. Um, you know, just talk to us about the shows if you just want to interact. It's all good. Yeah, man. So for volume one twenty nine, the Bucket Up Podcast. Um, I'm the kid JB. He's DJ Butter Sauce. He was Shane Paul Neal. And we out. Shit, shit. I be with demons and yeah, I admit it. Get too high, gotta flush my kidney. Niggas be hoes, gotta mount my business. Call from the fans, they run up your minute. Watch these hoes, they'll do it for an image. Fuck four hoes, tryna turn me a stripper. I don't trust niggas, so I ride with my nipple. Crush their faces, bust down M. Can't trust twice, cause it ain't that simple. Till it's so down, I ride for my nigga. When you ride through the rack, gotta look through mirrors. He got caught, cause I know he didn't. You know damn well you can't duck them switch. You gotta shoot four, cause that bitch be glitchy. I miss my dog, gotta stay out my feelings. Miss my dog, gotta stay out my. Yeah, love my block and I love my city. We call hoes eats. Wake up late, mouth 50k, better brush your teeth. I'ma say no when a nigga asks, I know he a leech. Contract with a label, bitch, I'm able, I'm signed to the streets. We ain't no goofies, and I told duty, the pills be having me nervous. Nigga had shot my brother when it comes to the money, my shorty be constantly purging. Fuck my ops, we on his ass, catch him blast, nobody nervous. We on his ass, ain't no pass, fuck them doing dirty. I'm with the killers, and I be comfortable around them gangsters. I'm with the robbers, and I be comfortable around them gangsters. I get him a 30, he pop out the car, he get into angels. Don't give him no axe when he got his back, cause too dangerous. And you can't run when we shoot. You can't run when we shoot. You can't run when we shoot. And you can't run when we shoot.